the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. The following program is sponsored by Next Steps for Seniors Foundation. This is Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. Each week, Wendy brings resources and information to help guide you through those next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. Now, here's Wendy Jones with this week's guest. Good morning and welcome to Next Steps for Seniors. I'm Wendy Jones, your host and Owner and operator, as everybody knows, uh, of Next Steps for Seniors, the business, and president of Next Steps for Seniors Foundation, constantly working on your behalf to help you, to grow with you, and to really just share resources and information as we all age. And guess what? We all age. (laughs) I know, it's hard to accept, but it happens. And today, our topic is going to be just a little different because... I do try to bring pertinent information, and one of the things that has really been obvious to me over the last few weeks is kind of like an education 101 on what happens as you start making decisions to move into communities. And it's really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this program, what are the top 10 questions we get? Top 10 questions we get here at Next Steps for Seniors when people call our office. And I think you're going to find this actually amazing because you might have these exact same questions. So with me to go through this process, thank goodness, is an expert on my team, and I love her dearly, is Erica Ansel. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, Wendy. Erica is my operations manager here at Next Steps for Seniors, has a wealth of knowledge. She has worked in different communities, assisted living buildings, independent living for a while, and we're blessed to have her on our team. So she's going to help me work through this today because I think this information is so critical. So grab a pencil and paper. We're going to answer questions and we're going to talk through situations that we think you need to just know about. Uh, So one of the things, the number one thing as people call in is, is it covered by insurance? 
So go ahead, Erica, tell us. Is, isn't all of this covered? I don't understand. I think everything is covered by insurance. Why am I, why do I have to pay money? Absolutely, Wendy. So that is a common question that we get every single day. And unfortunately, insurance does not cover assisted living post rehab stay or post hospitalization, even though Medicare covers quite a bit for our seniors and we have our supplemental insurances, they do not pay for the private pay when you need additional care after you leave, like I said, rehab or hospitalizations. Medicare is there to pay for your hospital stays, your medications, your supplementals help with that, but they don't cover any of the care that you need. And what's interesting about this, listeners, is right now, anyone who's had a loved one in the hospital, you've already learned that, right? You already know that this happens. But if you haven't yet had a loved one in the hospital or rehab, and these questions haven't been posed, then you've probably never really thought about it. You probably just assumed everything's covered. And it really is so critical. If there's one thing that I really want to get across to families it's things are not covered by insurance when it comes to moving into a community. And we see all these beautiful communities going up all over Michigan. They are not free. They are not covered by insurance. You must pay, pay, pay out of pocket, write a check every month. It's really important that we know this because a lot of people are not prepared financially to pay bills. And I, my heart goes out to them because they didn't know. And that's why we're telling you. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, and we also have to remember that insurance pays for those medical conditions, which is also really important that when you move into community, insurance is still going to cover doctor's visits, podiatry visits, medications will be similar priced in copays. But what they're not, what they don't pay for are those activities of daily living, which is your everyday help. Needing help with a shower. Getting needing... out of bed, going to the bathroom, preparing meals. None of that is covered by insurance. Zero. So critical. <laughs> it's so critical. It and And moving along that same line, there are co-pays. So when, when you say, okay, I need to order my medications for my mom and dad, she's living in assisted living, all those meds aren't covered 100% through Medicare. You've got to pay a copay still on the medications. Absolutely. So you're paying your copays on your medications. And while we're very lucky that a lot of our seniors are able to use a supplemental insurance as well that may help with some of that pricing on their copays for their doctor's visits, for their medications, for podiatry visits... Um, there is still that copay that you're always going to be responsible for. So that's something that we have to financially work, into, work yes. into that budget and make sure that the budget is cohesive with all of those additional bills that may come up that are maybe a little bit smaller, but they still have to be accounted for within the budget for the year. So that way your loved one is taken care of. Exactly. Exactly. So the other big question is, I thought Medicaid covered it all. Well, and Medicaid covers for those people who qualify for Medicaid. There's several different versions of Medicaid, but I think the Medicaid that we want to talk about is really the nursing home in versus assisted living and private pay. Medicaid for a nursing home covers at 
nearly 100%. They take a small portion, they leave a small portion rather of income and your loved one then moves into skilled nursing and they stay in a nursing home and that becomes their residence where the state pays versus Medicare, which is your insurance that you're still able to use while you're privately paying an assisted living. So Medicare and Medicaid, while both are state funded, are completely different, although they're very similar in parallel in some of their needs. And listeners, what what I really think is important for Medicaid is you have to qualify financially and physically for Medicaid. So you can't just say, oh, I just decided I want to go on Medicaid. I don't want to pay for this anymore. It doesn't work like that. It does not. And there's a look back period for financial to make sure that you've spent your money reasonably. There's a five-year look back period. While you're still able to do a couple of things, like you can still own your home and qualify for Medicaid, you have to also qualify with your activities of daily living. So your loved one needs skilled nursing care and above and beyond being able to cook and clean at home. They need help like dressing and grooming, bathing, showering, medication management. They may also need intravenous care, wound care. There's a higher level of care that's required in order to move into a nursing home on Medicaid. And speaking of nursing homes, you bring up a great point. So everything out there is not a nursing home. People call, they're like, oh yeah, I hear you're moving my parents into an old folks home or into a nursing home. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. Your parents are moving into independent living senior community and it's amazing. And they're like, well, what's the difference between that and a nursing home? And I'm like, a significant difference. (laughs) Absolutely. So a nursing home for definition purposes is going to be a medical facility that's providing not only nursing care, but activities of daily living. And it's provided a couple of different ways. One way is they're there for a skilled nursing rehab, subacute care, where they're there for their 20 days for rehab or longer, depending on what they need, or they're there on Medicaid for full time. Versus an assisted living is a private pay community with a group of like-minded individuals who happen to need care, but are still striving to receive that social interaction as well as physical and in nursing addition to their life. So that way they have a full day and they feel like they're still independent, even though they need certain level of care, whether that be medication management or somebody who is a two-person transfer dignity is in dignity or respect of the person is just so important when we're looking at the difference between a nursing home or that community living independent living assisted living memory care you know medical facility versus home like even though the home may be a hundred people there's still individualism So I'm going to give you a quick example. I think this will help everybody understand. Somebody calls our office, and this just happened, and they have $3,200 a month. This is what they get between pension and Social Security a month, and they cannot live in their home alone anymore, and they need to move somewhere. So the first thing we do is assess, okay, what can you and can you not do? Well, this person is pretty independent, 
but they really cannot cook any longer. They forget their medications and they're very lonely. So we're going to look at an independent living community, just like Erica described, because you want to have your own apartment, but you want to be with other people and it's the perfect option. And guess what, listeners? We know independent living communities for $2,800, $2,900 that this woman could completely afford because she gets $3,200 a month because you're getting two meals a day, housekeeping. They come in and take out your trash. They change your sheets. You have your own. You decorate it with your own furniture. I mean, it is your own apartment. Then you go to exercise class and you know we bowling and all these fun activities with all these people. And it's amazing. So no, Medicare doesn't cover that. No, Medicaid doesn't cover that. But guess what? Your social security and pension will cover that. Why not move into a community like that? So these are the things that we wanted to share with you on this program. So stay tuned because we have more coming. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to Next Steps for Seniors on The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400, and welcome back to our program. Our topic today is really top 10 questions you need to know, and this is really important because as we get calls, hundreds and hundreds of calls every month, it is so important And this is way easier just to tell you all the answers right now than to talk to 100 different people. And that's why we're doing this program today about next steps for seniors, makes life easier. So we just gave you a little example about an independent living community. A person calls in, they have 3,200 a month, they're lonely, they're isolated, they need just a little bit of help. We do a great job of taking what they need and matching it up with what we have. And that's what I love about my team. My team is phenomenal at, at putting that those pieces together for you. So moving forward, let's say, Erica, hypothetically, your mom gets really agitated at night. Let's just say she gets really frustrated. She starts throwing things. She's confused. And let me tell you, a lot of people call with this question. What could be some of the things that you would ask first? Absolutely, Wendy. So my number one question would be, is is this something that has been going on for weeks or months, or is this something recent? Because something as little as a urinary tract infection can turn very big very quickly and cause multiple personality changes while your body's fighting infection, especially as we get older. But we also want to make sure that as we go to the hospital to find out the root cause of this agitation, whether it be sundowners because we have dementia or is it because we have a urinary tract infection or other medical event that's happening within our body. We're also finding out more about personality, about what our next steps may have to be post-hospital. Is that a rehab stay? And explaining the difference of the 100 days of rehab which is not 100% the truth always. We have 20 days worth of Medicare that Medicare will pay up to at 100%, and then your supplemental insurance kicks in that. But we're also trying to find out is if the question is, are they, is mom-assisted living appropriate? Does she need more care, like a memory care, because that agitation has been there for quite a long time, that she doesn't know her days from her nights? Well, 
there's a multitude of communities that are able to handle and take somebody with dementia. There's also communities specifically designed that are assisted livings, mind you, memory care is still assisted living, but they're different because their activities and their programs are shorter and designed with those people that have that cognitive decline due to dementia or Alzheimer's versus assisted living, where maybe somebody at those beginning stages of dementia where we're mildly confused, or maybe that agitation that mom was having was because she missed her medications and that her schedule. So while we're trying to find out the root cause of the agitation, we're also digging to see where is going to be the best fit and the most appropriate placement. Because what we don't want to do is to have mom move three or four times until we get to the best fit community. Because not only us as Next Steps for Seniors want to provide appropriate placement, we want purposeful placement. We want mom to have the best day ever while preserving her dignity, while preserving her independence that she's able to have in assisted living or in that memory care community. So that way she feels great about her day every single day. And and Erica, honestly, you bring up a great point in the very beginning because you said the first question is, is it long-term or short-term in the, in the evenings? And here's why listeners, this is, this is really important. I think personally, as a child of a, of a parent who's aging, I think the first thing we look for is their normal behaviors. Are they acting like they always act or is there something that's happening that's changing? Mm -hmm. And the first thing that usually happens, like she just mentioned, if there's any kind of dementia is the sundowners. And sundowners is like a secret. I, I, I mean, we need to publish sundowners everywhere. People need to know what sundowners is. Absolutely. And sundowners starts in the evening. When they start getting right around dinner time, isn't it, Erica? Where they're know, just, it can start as early as about like, one o'clock in the afternoon. It really is three, related yeah. to their circadian rhythm, how well they sleep at night, how many mini naps we have during a day. Because somebody who sundowns and has Alzheimer's and dementia, they live the longest day. They experience a 36-hour day every single day. Every time they wake up from a small nap, whether it's 15 or 20 minutes or three hours, that's morning. And we don't know what we had for breakfast, even though it may be dinner time. In the morning, in the evening, switch around. So mm -hmm. people who are up all night long, and let me tell you, this is a perfect example. I had a family who called and said, all my mom does is sleep all day long. And I was like, okay, well, is she sleeping at night? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, if she's, if she's up all night, that's why she's sleeping all day. So we put cameras in the house mm -hmm. and little to their, you know, to their shock, they were like, oh my goodness, my mom has never slept at night. She is up. So she had sundowners and the family never knew it. So listeners, this is why we're talking about this today, because what Erica's talking about is so important these things that you know to be looking for, and it usually starts, I wanted to say three, one seems early to me, but it's, it can it, be, it seems to be like before dinner, 
like mm-hmm. right, you know, they're starting to get agitated and, and it's just a moment of like, what is wrong with my mom? Every night she calls me at five o'clock all in a tizzy. Well, it's probably sundowners. Absolutely. And these are the things, you know, you just don't know. And that's why we're talking about it. This that's, is why we are here. Absolutely. And keep in mind that these times that we're talking about really are related to what time they get up in the morning as well. Yeah. Do they get up at three o'clock in the morning? Were they always, were they working in a factory? Did they get up at four and went to work at six and off at two and then back in bed by seven or eight because they had that hour drive in the morning? So those times really are related to their previous and past history and what they did in their life. So that's why some sundownings can happen even earlier than that. But what time does that person wake up? Did they wake up at two o'clock every morning? And that's what their cycle has been for 70 or 80 years. And and here's what's scary listeners. And this is, this is really important is I'm just going to give you an example of a client that I talked to yesterday. He said to me, I was seeing snakes on the ceiling he said those words to me. He said, I saw snakes everywhere on the ceiling and I couldn't figure out one, how the snakes got on the ceiling, but two, why there were snakes on my ceiling. Like, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, clearly there wasn't snakes on the ceiling, but he thought there was. So he was hallucinating. Now was the hallucination, like Erica said, was it caused by a UTI or was it caused by dementia and some kind of brain, you know, cognitive disorder. And therein lies why it's so important to find that out. A UTI is super easy to test for. Of course, we all want it to be a UTI because it's way easier to treat. You get on antibiotics, you're fine in two weeks. Yeah. But if anybody, any loved one ever says there's bugs on my TV screen, there's, you know, people in my house, there's snakes on the ceiling. These are all things that we're talking about right now. These are all part of a cognitive issue or a UTI. These are the two biggest things that it could be. Now, we're not doctors, but we would say, please take them in and get them tested for a UTI first. Because number one, it's the easiest thing. It's better than getting them through an MRI and a neurology exam and all the other stuff that's going to take months and months and months. A UTI takes one day, one test. (laughs) So much easier. So much easier. Okay. Moving on, you mentioned a lot about assisted living versus memory care. Let's let's explain the differences between those two. So we have to keep in mind that assisted living and memory care, while they're two very separate things, they both provide a higher level of care in a community setting for your loved one. Memory care is typically a specific set of activities. They're smaller communities for those people who are suffering from dementia and cognitive decline. Assisted living are for those who are still able to make those decisions for themselves. And they're still able to make, you know, steps to do different activities and meal plans. You know, they're, they're both so just very similar, but separate at the same time. So assisted living, we're looking at people who have mild cognitive decline or mild dementia, people who just need more care you know, but they still deserve and want to have a private apartment or even a companion apartment because those are still great options in assisted living. Our memory care, the activities that they do are shorter for every resident. So that way they have dementia in mind. They're more focused. They also do specific types of activities in the morning versus the afternoon because of how our social set has been set up our entire lives. So 
the difference is, is the memory component for assisted living and memory care, but the other component will always be the type of care and advancing care that we need while we have dementia versus not. And the important part is you can call our office. We can answer these questions. We can talk you through these differences. It's so much easier having an advocate in your corner. You're listening to The Patriot FM 101.5 AM 1400. We'll be back in just a moment to share more information with you. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. We're walking you through the true next steps for seniors today. That is what we are doing. And Erica is here with me, my operations manager. We have a team of 10. Next Steps for Seniors is located in Rochester Hills, but our that's just our physical office. But our service area, we cover all of Southeast Michigan. And our goal is really to advocate for you, truly advocate for you, because there's so many things that come your way and we've got a team of experts that know those answers. So we love what we do. I think that my team is amazing and we're going to talk you through in this segment what we really do for you (laughs) because people sometimes get confused. I'm going to be honest, they get confused on what we do and I think the professional experience is important to know that every single one of my team members has been in the industry, has worked with seniors, has worked with families. Some of them are nurses, some are social workers, and some just have a lot of experience in what happens. Um, And I think that's really important. And the second thing is we assign, when anybody calls our office, we assign you to a personal placement specialist, face-to-face personal person that you pick up the phone and call, you meet with it for coffee, you can come to our office and talk to. Like It's not in the internet. It's not Google. It's not trying to figure out by driving around to every single community which one's the best for you. All those options are out. You make one phone call and you talk to one placement specialist and that's your personal guide. Absolutely. So we try to take as person-centered as possible with every single one of our clients for our potential residents moving into communities. It's so important to get their background, to get what they liked and what they didn't like, but also focus on what medical needs, what events had happened prior to them moving and why you called on a Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. Asking that question can be so important to our placement specialist because something triggered your phone call, whether it's somebody's family member who's close to you, needs assisted living, and you went, well, do you know what? I better start making those phone calls and at least doing a little bit of research and reconnaissance because it is so important to make an educated decision, which why calling next steps for seniors is so important because you're making that educated decision and you know that we have so many communities that we're partnered with and we visit every single one of our communities before we ever place your loved one there. It is so important that we visit every single community and we take photos and we ask the questions that are hard. Like, can you take the two-person transfers? What about somebody who is having extreme sundowning and we're having behavior issues? How can you move through this scenario? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can, how can you adjust with medications? What doctors and physicians are coming in to service your loved ones? Because 
because those questions sometimes to me are more important than what the home looks like. Oh, absolutely. And I'll be honest, listeners, I think this is important to understand. If a loved one, when she said two-person transfer, what a two-person transfer means is that it takes two physical people, live bodies, to get your loved one out of bed or into a chair or wherever it is you're going. So... Can you do it by yourself? Do you need someone to help you get up or do you need two people? Mm -hmm. And the chances of needing two people are pretty high if you're over, what, 190 pounds? I mean, it could be pretty high for somebody who's at 150 pounds because if we're unable to bear that weight and we can't help our caregiver pivot or bear weight on our feet, we may need two people because safety is so important for not only your mom, but also your caregivers. Well, and why two-person transfer is important, listeners, for you to know is, of course, the price goes up, right? If you need two people to help you out of bed versus one person, you've got to pay more. And like we talked about in the very first segment, it's not free and it's not covered by insurance. We're paying the bill for assisted living, independent living, any communities. You've got to be able to pay for it. So Um, So everybody go on a diet and be less than 150 pounds. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But it it adds another level and it's hard, but we want you to know this ahead of time so you can be prepared if that is the case. And if you're in the hospital, here's the number one thing when you are in the hospital, those care managers have one job. That care manager's job is to get you out of the hospital safely. Having that safe discharge is so important and it's so hard for families because those case managers work from day one when discharge, when discharge should be based on CMS's guidelines and medical need within the hospital system. And sometimes it seems like they pop up 24 hours before and say, dad has to discharge tomorrow which is the hardest conversation that they have to have with families, but they can no longer service him. He doesn't need any more medical. He doesn't have any medically necessary. Exactly. And they can't keep you there, nor do you want to stay there if there's not a medically necessary reason. So listeners, it's really important when you bring your loved one to emergency and they're like, okay, you know, he's ready to go home. It's because there's no medical necessary reason to keep them there. And that's when you call us when dad or mom goes into the hospital and say, Hey, I don't know what's going on. You know, they are being, they're observing him, which is something that we often hear is, well, dad's been an observation for 24 hours. We always, we always encourage you to try to have them admitted within that 72 hours because that 72 hours admission may qualify them for a subacute rehab stay, which will not only help get them stronger, but may also help transition them back into their home and back into their independent state that they were previously. Or what it's going to do is open up all of the needs that they really truly did need at home. But because we don't live with our parents, because we work, there's so much going on in all of our lives that we don't get to really take a microscope at our parents and our grandparents and our great aunts and uncles and family friends and what those day-to-day struggles truly look like because they don't want to be a burden. Oh, that word. I know. Oh my goodness. So if there's one thing I would say, obviously, is 
they need us now more than ever. And we need to advocate and we need to walk alongside our family members that are struggling in any way, shape or form. And that's why we want you to call Next Steps for Seniors. I truly, before any tragic thing happens, we do not want to see anybody fall and break a hip and end up in the hospital. If we can get you into a safe environment. Now, there's no guarantee you're not going to fall anywhere. But you have a sure as heck better chance when you've got people surrounding you and support staff than you do by yourself at home trying to get up a, a flight of stairs. Or surfing through the furniture, holding on to the sofa and holding on to the wall because we're by, by ourselves. We tend to fall more frequently by ourselves. When we're with people, we're having a good time and we're paying attention. One thing that I can encourage you as a listener is to be involved with your family members. Ask what's going on in their lives. Ask them if they're struggling with anything and be present and to listen with intent because sometimes your loved ones are telling you some things and we're not always receiving them because we work and we have children and we have lives and we're going camping and we're going vacationing and we have softball practice and cheerleading practice and we have a football game to attend, but our loved ones are always telling us something. So slow down just a little bit when it comes to your elderly parents and friends and family members to make sure that they're doing okay. And call us. Call us to advocate with you. We are here for you. This is what Next Steps for Seniors does. This is what we do for a living. We are the ones that are on the front line talking to the talking to your mom or dad in the hospital or talking to them in rehab or meeting with you and the family or putting everybody on a Zoom call or whatever we need to do to get all the family members on the same page. I mean, there's so many things that you come against. And listeners, that's why we're here. And of course, the radio program is here to educate you, but the business is here to literally walk alongside you physically when your loved one is in the hospital, rehab, struggling at home, any of these situations. And if you've lost a loved one, like if your mom's um, husband just passed away of 60 years, that would be a time to call us. If they can no longer drive, that would be a time to call us. If they're exhibiting sundowners or behavior problems in the evening, that would be a time to call us. These are all times. Don't wait too long. Call us and get us involved in the very beginning. Absolutely. Doing that early research is just so important. But also remember that we're a team of experts that are full of resources. Even if that means mom wants to stay in her home, we may be able to provide you with a list of resources in your area, like Meals on Wheels, like other programs. Grab bars, guardian alarms, medical alert systems. We have all of that information for you. Advocating for mom to get a little bit of occupational or physical therapy in her home. Showing you how to go through those processes is what we do. Our passion is for seniors. And we are here for you. So definitely give us a call. The phone number again is 248-651-5010. Looking forward to being here for you. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to our Next Steps for Seniors program. We're going to switch gears just a little bit in this last segment, 
And I brought in a personal friend who has a story that I really think everybody needs to hear. Because what we've done in the first three segments is just share information, give you resources, and kind of walk you through what Next Steps for Seniors does for you. And in this last segment, I wanted you to hear it from a personal perspective, from someone who's walked through these steps. So my friend Janet is here because she has loved ones right now that she's taking care of. She's been through many situations and I love, love her perspective. And I think we all need to hear it. So good morning, Janet. Good morning, Wendy. Thank you for being here today. You're welcome. And thank you for sharing because we learn from each other. I mean, this is a process, right? And, And we learn from each other. And you know, tell us a little bit about your story because you're kind of right in the middle of the throes of it right now. Yes, and have been for years. So um, I have been helping care for family members, grandparents, aunts, etc. since I was a teenager, like most of us. But then you become an adult, you have your own kids, and your parents need your help. And we have to remember that our bodies break down as we get older. So do our thought processes and our abilities to do things. So we have to maintain respect for our parents as their bodies kind of deteriorate, just like everything else. And remembering to do that with respect is really key to making these end of year, you know, end of life years successful, easier, peaceful. And, you know, these are our parents. We have to love them, right? So yeah, coming from that perspective is always from a standpoint of respect. Always. And I think it I think it's a challenge sometimes because we might know what's better or what we think is better for them than what they think. So tell us the story on kind of how you've worked through this because I think it's magical, I'll be honest. Oh, it wasn't easy in the beginning. <laughs> I I have to say I, I've been doing this a long time. Um fifteen years at least with the parents. So um for me there was you you become the parent, right? And so you know it's best and there's a little bit of headbutting and frustration and all of that kind of stuff that you really you really want to lose it. Like seriously, it's really hard. And then one day I I, I really did. I, I lost it. I was in a fetal position on the floor crying. My sister-in-law found me and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I don't believe in having pity parties. It took a, about 20 minutes start to finish. And at that point, I said, you know what, mom, you are of sound mind. You're going to have to step up because at that point she was relying on me a hundred percent for everything. And, um, I had young kids. So anyway, once I decided that I was no longer responsible for her living or dying, that that's in God's hands, I will always be there to support her and catch her, but it isn't up to me to make sure that she does what she's supposed to do. Remember, she's still of sound mind. If she weren't, of course, that would be different. So um, I do her meds for her. I do her meals for her and that kind of thing. It's up to her whether she chooses to take them or whether she chooses to eat the food. I will not argue with her. And that was a decision you made that gave you peace of mind, obviously. Right, right. Because she's she doesn't always want to eat. She's way underweight. That's her choice. She knows she needs to eat. If she doesn't want to, I'm not going to argue with her. I do make sure I fatten up the food I give her, though. 
I do make sure there's extra calories in everything I make so, for her. <laughs> so we talked about there's two kind of parents, right? There's yep. the needy one that mm-hmm. wants you to do everything. And right. like you said, you made up, you made your decision and you stuck by it and, and she did step up. Yeah, she absolutely did. And then there's the other kind of parent. That's a little more, um, I'm going to say strong-willed. Yes. The invincible parent, the parent who thinks they can continue to do everything yet they can't. And that's a little harder because they want to do things that are maybe still dangerous, like driving. Um, just to name a few, (laughs) name a few. (laughs) Um, that's really tricky. How do you respectfully encourage your parents to give up driving when you know that's not safe anymore? That was, that was a new one. And there's, and I love what you did. Okay, okay so, so I did everything. I looked for AAA. I looked for her doctors. I looked for the Secretary of State. I wanted to see what was online. And there's all these things. But how do you get your parents to take a driving test? I mean, really? They know what you're up to. So they're not going to just willy-nilly just go, oh, sure. And frankly, our parents are smart, and they're going to outwit that driving test. So it's not really going to be as effective as you want it to be. Um, and it's demoralizing, right? We don't ever want to take someone's – we don't want to humiliate them. So, um, I, you know, COVID was good in this aspect that my mother-in-law was home for a while. She didn't get to go out much. So, um, she wanted to drive and I was like, Oh, I don't think you're good. I am my head. That was a no thing. So I took her to the grocery store and to Meyer and had her push around a dry sh- a shopping cart. I wanted to see if she could navigate the aisles be observant for the people coming and going. Cause you have to stop. I mean, it's like an intersection on the road, right? <laughs> so you have to stop and wait for people to walk by. You can't just push on through. And could she stop the cart in time? Could, was she paying attention to other shoppers? Was she, you know, doing all of that? And after a couple shopping trips where maybe she did bump into a person or two and she got really frustrated. And, and a couple of weeks later, that was enough for her to say, I don't think I'm I don't think I should be driving anymore. But but you didn't you ask her a question? Like I just remember when you told me the story because oh. <laughs> I mean number one it's brilliant. Okay, listeners, really, she took her mom to the grocery store. Yeah, had her and, push the and cart. had her push the cart by herself. Was nowhere around her, and she had to maneuver. Mm-hmm. And she recognized it was difficult for her to maneuver. So you did it with dignity. You did it Absolutely. with grace. Absolutely. But you asked her, didn't you say something like, "Well, like, so oh, mom, yeah." So, you know, if that person, I mean, did you see them? What if that were, what if that were a a car or a child that was running into the street? Would you have been able to stop the car fast enough? You couldn't stop the cart. And those kinds of questions really got her thinking. And, and it wasn't even at the moment you, you asked her the question. She came back to you like later. No, we, this was over about a three week process. So she honestly took her to the grocery store numerous times and numerous times she crashed into people with her cart and numerous times she probably was thinking, Oh, I didn't see that person or they were on my right side and I wasn't paying attention. Well, guess what? When you're driving and there's someone on your right side, I mean, you physically have to turn your head around and look and, it just gets harder as we age. So after you said that about the two-year-old running out in front of her, would you be able to stop? Mm -hmm. She took some time and thought through that. Right. I would say about a week later. And it wasn't just that, not just the child, but I also said, you know, man, there's crazy drivers out here. You're a good driver. I have no worries about you manipulating the vehicle, but you know, those other people who swerve into your lane, can you react fast enough to not hit them? 
Can you slam on the brake hard enough? Can you swerve hard enough and fast enough? And those were the kinds of questions I would ask over time. It, it wasn't like one conversation. This is we're driving down the road going yeah, you know, to Taco Bell or something like that. <laughs> and you just ask a question. Or, and, and typically, it was when someone else was cutting me off you know, or, or swerving into my lane. I, I used those as opportunities to say, oh my gosh, do you think you, you can do this? And um, she at first said she could. And then um, after a couple of weeks, she said, I'm, I don't think this is a good idea. I shouldn't be doing this. And it's so much nicer when, from them. when they can make that decision yes. and there, no one wants to be forced into anything. In the way, Janet, I just applaud you because listeners, this is why I wanted Janet here today. We, we love our, we love our parents, but we also cognitively know when it's not safe for them. If they don't cognitively know, we need to be the ones to do something and look at the answer you came up with. It was so brilliant. I'm like, Janet's got to share this story because her mother-in-law made the decision, Janet, I am not going to to drive anymore. Right. Because you're right. I can't maneuver that cart and see every single angle and be able to respond quick enough. Imagine if something happened on the road with a much bigger liability. Yeah. I might add. So this is, these are, these are steps we've got to talk through. These are steps we got to work through listeners with our loved ones, not because we're trying to be a stronghold, but because we love and care for them and the people around them. We right. want to keep them safe too. Absolutely. And I had a client who was still cooking, put the towel from the, you know, just a regular towel on the burner and the entire house caught on fire. <gasps> so the daughter had an idea that her mom maybe shouldn't be cooking anymore, but never dreamt that could happen. Well, listeners, guess what? That can happen to you. So this is why we're here. This is why the program is here. This is why Next Steps for Seniors is here. We want to educate, advocate, and help walk alongside you. So definitely reach out to us. Thank you, Janet. Thank you for who you are and your example and how you just helped all of us. You're welcome. You've been listening to this week's edition of Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. You can reach Wendy with any questions you have at area 248-651-5010. That's 248-651-5010. Join us again next week as Wendy provides more information and resources for those important next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. The preceding program was sponsored by Next Steps for Seniors Foundation. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.